Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hi, I'm Ian Cheeseman. This is the Excess Manchester podcast version of Forever Blue. And I was joined tonight by Lakey. Lakey. Hi, Cheesy. And uh, we also talked to Sean Golter and to Nicky Weaver. Um, and we waxed lyrical about Pep Guardiola. We talked about the new documentary on Amazon. We talked about feeding the goat intellectually and obviously reacting to the injury as well to Bravo. So just say goodnight, Paul, and then we'll listen to the podcast. Good night, Paul. The Manchester Football Social, Forever Blue, with Ian Cheeseman. And here we are again. Yes, it's that time of the week. Tuesday, every Tuesday, it's Excess Manchester. It's 106.1 FM. It's Forever Blue. I'm Ian Cheeseman. Alongside me is the legend that can only be Mr. Paul Lake. Evening, Paul. Good evening, Ian. Another happy day at the weekend. Oh, mate, it was, it was a sensation. When are you going to wake it? up from this? Right. You know, you're thinking that, obviously, starting off with the first home game of the season, can you pick up from where you left off? And then some. Absolutely. And then some, mate, yeah. And without Kevin De Bruyne... And we've seen in, in the opening games that there's been so much quality on the bench. Mm. And that's always been, you know, people have said in the past, that is the mark of a great team when you've got a great bench. And and our bench, City's bench, would probably be in the first team of most, most other teams, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. And again, there's so much flair and talent and excitement and, and pace on the bench. And, and everyone was trying to second guess what the team would be for the first home game. And nobody picked that team again, which is, again, it's what I love about Pep, because he always keeps you guessing. Everyone's thinking, well, how's John Stone's going to play this? But once you, once you, once you assess, obviously Pep's looked at that and thought, okay, they're not going to press us into high areas, so we can forget about that. Let's concentrate on something else and looking at relationships on the pitch, that type of thing, playing Gabriel Jesus and Sergio together for the first game of the season. No one gets that. There was always that issue. And again, he seems to have just instilled that, that, uh, uh, extra uh, zest into Sergio Aguero because obviously he had a bit of a deflated World Cup. He scored and then obviously didn't really play and it was a frustration for him. We're thinking, well, what's he going to come back like? And 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 again, he, it's, it just feels like we've got a new player in Mendy who was breathtaking. You've got a new player in Riyad Mahrez who genuinely is a brand new player who, who was on the bench 
and then you have Sergio looking like he does, like he's the hungriest player, like he's 19. You got that whippersnapper David Silva, who was tearing up on the right-hand side, looking like he was 19, 20. So th- there was so much richness to gain from that from that particular performance. And again, you know, an aside where last season, yes, it was it was a draw. We couldn't score against them. Had few shots on target. They were expecting a, a similar kind of approach. They tried to press in different ways, going man to man, a high press and medium press. And it just shows you. I, I'm, I'm sure, Ian, that that game as well is going to be used for coaching manuals for years to come on how to beat any kind of press because it was done to perfection. And obviously, without Kevin De Bruyne, who who needs Kevin De Bruyne? By the way, when you've got Edison who can can assist like that. You know, when he, when he sends passes that are so accurate that you think, well, could Kevin De Bruyne have actually done that? Well, you know, we, we <laughs> talked about last week how uh, against Arsenal, by his own high standards, he was he gave one or two balls away and wasn't quite his usual polished self. Well, he dusted himself off from the weekend and what did we see? I mean, the accuracy of his passing is breathtaking. And again, you know, for a goalkeeper, their that's, that's first thought is how can I attack? You know, how can we keep the ball? How can I play it from the back? How can I, you know, my first look is how can we attack? And then looking at elsewhere. But you just got, again, we got so many options, you know, and it, it feels like you know, the players are as, are as motivated and energized to play as they were last season, knowing that the eyes of the football world are on them, if in more than one way, actually with all or nothing now out there for all to see, that might actually be another added pressure of so many fans wanting City to not succeed because a bit of envy, a bit of jealousy around that, which could happen. Although I do feel that there's a lot of humility and a lot of warmth which comes out which is genuine. I actually think people will actually be, be warm to our players because they see that there's a genuine care and affection for each other and they want to win. And who doesn't? That arrogance on the pitch is not carrying off of the pitch. There's lots of fun and self-deprecation in there as well. So I think that'll work in City's favour, to be honest. But the eyes of the footballing world are on us. Liverpool have improved. They're now chomping at the bit. Two wins in two games, like quite a few other teams. So it's exciting. There's a hell of a long way to go. But as your opening statement to the rest of the Premier League, when you play like that, with that with that amount of talent on the bench, you know, it certainly is a, a daunting prospect for everybody else. We'll come back to the football in a second, but let's you you brought up the subject of all know nothing, this Amazon documentary. Now some people who are listening to this won't have Amazon and won't have access to it and maybe won't have seen it. Get it on free trial, thirty days. Well, there is that. <laughs> <laughs> My son's got it fortunately, so I can watch it. I've watched four of the episodes so far. Now there's a few things around this that I'd like to ask you about. First of all, um, well, let, let's uh, let's go through one at a time. First of all, do you think that this series would appeal to anybody but City fans? I don't know, because what you're getting an insight into is elite football. Whether it's at City or United or Liverpool, you know, it's about sport. It's about well, how do the best work and how do they go day after day, and how do they manage those relationships, you know, and what does a coach, you know, a, a top team who's renowned for being one of the best coaches in the world, arguably we would say he is the best coach, but you know, arguably, how does he work? What makes them tick? So it's those behind the scenes, that insight you would never ever get. We all second guess it. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What are those conversations? 
like? When when someone's not happy, how do they respond to that? You know, what does that feel like? Try to put yourself in someone's shoes when you're playing at Anfield, you're playing at Old Trafford, you know, at half-time, with 45 minutes to go, and you can hear the crowd in the background, and they're expected to win, and who's speaking, who's not speaking, and how do they focus, how do they manage themselves in that environment? There's so much you can take looking at body language, verbal, non-verbal communication, and then obviously seeing the, the preparation to the games during the course of the week, how the players relax when they're not actually playing, how they have some fun and seeing their true character. And, and again, just those insights with Vincent Company and Kevin LeBron speaking with the kit man just shows you that there's a, there's a genuine humility in there that they would be happy to speak to any of the group, whereas people might think, oh, there's a real arrogance to them and they don't care about people and they're all about take, 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 what can I get? Everything's a red carpet or a blue carpet in our case. But actually, it isn't that. So you learn so many things about people and about how the best work with the best. Well, I want to ask you to give us an insight because you've been in a dressing room and although I've seen documentaries like that and might have occasionally peeped inside a dressing room, I've never lived in one like you have. Um, but one thing that, that uh, and this was this was a bit that made me laugh, I must admit, you've probably seen it on social media where they've compared Pep in the dressing room doing that thing where he walks forward and backwards and waves his arms around to that David Brent dance <laughs> in the office, which is yeah. brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. And, but it just shows the passion of the guy, doesn't it? Well, it does. It also shows you that it's not, it's not manic. It's just so intense. You know, the attention to detail means he does not miss a trick. And if he has a moment where he speaks about something and he thinks that message needs to get across or that comment needs to be made, then he's back at the whiteboard or he's back at the, you know, he's back at the player's shoulder. Can you actually understand what he's saying? Yeah, yeah, you can. Can you take it in? Yeah, yeah, you can. So you see, now, this is where I want to really get into this because you've lived in a dressing room, you've had different managers, you've been, you've been, you've been in a physio, you've, you've been in it in that sense as well. How does this compare, you know, because he's just so infectious, isn't he, and so enthusiastic. Do you, do you now look at him in a different way because you're probably one of the few people, apart from other players I know, who can truly compare what you're seeing of Pep in that dressing room with what you've experienced yourself? Well, I mean, everyone's got different experiences that, that, have, that have been a player or in any kind of sport where, there's, where it's a team sport and you get a manager, you know, but when you have a manager of, of, of Pep's knowledge and, and incompetence, uncomp that you understand that what, what he's saying to you means so much more, it's so layered and because of the work he's done during the course of the week and the conversations that he's had with you, what he's had with the individual player in terms of position-specific attributes, then talking about how a unit works and the language used to typify uh, the angles, the movements, the weight of the pass, the time of the pass. So the, that's abbreviated into those moments because, you know, things happen quickly, therefore comments have to have to come out quickly, almost like rapid-fire conversation, really. So that, that resonates with the players in those positions. So when he's that animated in the changing rooms and he's using his body, he's not just communicating one element to it. They can re relay that to so many different layers of conversations I've had during the course of the week in terms of in possession, out of possession, unit work, individual body position, shape, timing of pass, runs, it all falls into place. And that's why he's so efficient with his language because it may be quick fire. It isn't that much, but you can guarantee because of the intensity of the man and the, and the detail that they go into, that's the reason why those comments mean so much. And because of the manner of the man 
and because of his success and reputation, you know, you can't just hear a pin drop. I think the whole stadium would shut down if he spoke because it just, you know, he's, he's, he's just got such a, a personality and a character that he almost speaks... He doesn't, he, he doesn't speak to the person. He speaks to your soul. He, he just looks right through you. And it's like, you know, he's just talking to me. That, that's what, you know, true charisma is. And that's what you get when you're working with managers that are, are at the top of their game, truly elite, true leaders, and an incredible and inspiring man. Well, that's great to hear from you that you feel that way because you, you, as I say, have a different insight. The only one thing I would say about it, because I didn't know what I was to expect, really, I contributed some bits of material, actually, to the documentary and had a little bit of an idea of what I thought might come. Mm -hmm. And it's not quite come as I expected. In fact, I feel as if it could be subtitled Pep Guardiola's Manchester City all or nothing and it is an absolute biopic of Pep Guardiola mm -hmm. and it gives you a great insight to him as a guy I thought it might have been a little bit more of a an overview of the club itself and I'd been hoping in terms of you know trying to spread the word of City because we all want City to, to grow and grow and grow mm -hmm. that there might be a little bit more of an insight into the, the fans and and some of the history etc um, so it's a little bit different than I thought if I'm being honest but I still think that what we're seeing is very interesting for what it is well do you, do you find that Tim because it's something that we never thought of so you know as a, as a family of City fans and friends that are Blues <coughs> what mates who are Reds and you know other fans of other teams as well you know seeing the players singing the, the fans songs after games yeah, something that we never great. thought would take place the managers singing the songs yeah. you know those kind of and, and I understand where other managers and one in particular would be quite upset because of things that that, that were said but but it, it just shows you that that that, that spontaneity that, that genuineness because that happens straight away it's off the cuff yeah. that, that's not contrived no. so you join in with your teammates because you're part of it and you're made to feel part of it and the fact that he goes round and hugs and pats, you know, the physio, the kit man, you know, alongside his own staff and the players shows that we're all in this together. All or nothing just means that very thing in whatever they do. And that's something that I think the fans would really warm to is that is that genuine connection with our fans. It might not be doing supporters clubs every other week like we used to do because times have changed and we're not superstars like they were super, superstars. But they are superstars. They are the world renowned. But it still shows you that there's a connection with the fans and with the club because they've adopted those songs. You know, it, it, yeah, yeah. So that's something that I think the, the average fan would have been very surprised, humbled, and would really enjoy those moments. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Obviously, there's been some some comments from Mourinho that sound a little bit bitter. Um, and you've got to say that uh, I don't think there's anything in there that, that City in any way should be ashamed of. And when you think about the history and United having that banner up at, at the Stretford End and all the rest of it, for Mourinho to call City classless is just beyond words to but, me. But you know, I, th but I think he's the, he is the, he's the master of deflection. Because obviously at Manchester United at the moment, there are one or two issues. Okay, it might be teething problems. They may have a fantastic season. We don't know yet. But obviously, the first couple of games, they've not really set the Premier League alight. And certainly there has been talk of issues with the manager and the captain and other players not being happy, that type of thing. So again, if you can deflect from that and talk about something else, you know, it's job done. And let's be honest with you, every single paper, every single broadcast that you hear is, is talking about City being classless according to, you know, the Manchester United manager. So, you know, as far as that's concerned, you know, he's very clever, isn't he?
Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, we're going to hear from Sean Gorter. He's going to join. Um, he's promised me. He, he sure? was having his tea last week, mm-hmm. and he and, and then at seven o'clock when we finished, he, he went. Oh, I was having my tea. I forgot, and then I just looked at me. And did oh, I'm so mortified. Right, you've definitely got to come on this week, Sean. So he's absolutely promised me he's on. We're also going to hear from Nicky Weaver because obviously right. this week, uh, Claudio Bravo. In fact, today has, has announced that. You know, he's seriously injured. He's got an Achilles injury. Could be out for the season. Some mm. people are even suggesting. No doubt he'll be off to Barcelona to have some a look at that. So we'll talk to them too. Just let me come back then to, to what happened at the weekend. Now, when I saw that team announced, my default position, although I couldn't see a right back in the team, was he must be playing three at the back. And then when I see the team come out... I see John Stones at right back and I think, hang on. Now, you've already slightly answered this question, but... Um, I suppose what I'm what I'm coming to is that the flexibility within the squad is something I've never seen anything like this before. Now we know that Pep models himself on the great Dutch coaches like Michaels and Cruyff and whatnot of the past and total football was their mantra. Mm-hmm. We are now seeing the ultimate total football, aren't we, in the way that Gundogan's taken up a new role, Sterling is swapping from side to side and going down the middle. Now we've got John Stones playing at right back. He played in a holding midfield role in one game. Have you have you ever seen it? You, you as Mr. Utility in your pomp, you would have handled this because you could play in every position. But not everybody can do that, can they? No, no, they can't. But it, but again, you know, cheesy. We talk about the the the, the manner of of his of his coaching styles and the fact that he is is so detailed. He will have worked with John Stones. He'll have worked with Ilkay. He'll have worked with Emmerich. He would have worked with all these players in different positions, in different situations. You know, so for, for instance, you know, um, Mendy could have played on the right hand side. You know, he, he could have put Leroy Sane in there. In fact, to be fair, no disrespect to Huddersfield Town, you and I could have played there on Sunday, couldn't we? You know what I mean? Because, but he knew, he knew exactly what he was looking for. And giving, and it's all context specific. So he's giving, you know, it's a different, it's the same, it's the same pitch, it's the same stadium, it's the same, you know, full house. But at the same time, it's a different experience for different players. So they're given a chance to express themselves in different areas of the pitch, to find passes, to get a feel for receiving the ball in those those situations. So it's opening their minds to, well, if they're playing into the right there, more, more central position, what does that feel like to be that right back? So obviously, he's giving his players different experiences, different angles, different passes, how to receive the ball in different areas of the pitch. So I, it's almost as if, yeah, we've seen that, uh, the All or Nothing series, I'm showing you bits, but that's already last year, I'm, I've moved on again. It's gone to the next layer. And it, I, I always look at it, it's like Man City is a brain and... You know, every time Pep now, every season now, there's going to be more synapses going to be lit up. There's going to be more, oh, more, more, diff, more variations in your play, as if it could be any more varied. It is, and and Benjamin Mendy has just brought that. I mean, you know, he gives something else to the squad, to the team, and it's so so exciting. And it gives more options now for Sergio Aguero, did different runs to make for Gabriel Jesus. You know, more link play, more setting play, more chances to play through the lines. You know, it's just. It's gone up a notch again. Now, whether that can be maintained, you would look to Kevin De Bruyne to be what the person that would carry that through. Obviously, he's not going to be fit for a few months and that's going to put different owners on different players. But looking at the game at the weekend, looking how City had been against Chelsea and against Arsenal, and they were six, seven out of ten, if you're being brutally honest. 
you just know that there's so much more to come from this team for this season. So it's a, it's a wow time all over again, it would seem. There's no doubt that Aguero now being fully fit in terms of that knee because he himself has said he's been playing with a problem for two years and that, and that now seems to be cleared up. I wonder how much that makes a difference to him. It, on the evidence of what we're seeing at the moment, it's made a massive difference, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely I, right. And I tell you, I did see it the weekend and I know this is a different era and it's more like your era, but Tony Adcock, David White and Paul Stewart, the three yeah. hat-trick scorers, yeah. were all at the game. Great to see that. I haven't yeah. seen Tony Adcock for ages. Well, it was great. I also saw Andy Hinscliffe talking to Whitey on, yeah, on Sky. So him, when, yeah. you know, and they were roommates for years. You yeah. know. They were yeah. really close at one time. And uh, I always felt like saying, they were so greedy in that game. I mean, they didn't pass the ball <laughs> once to any of us. We supported them and played them and got a look in. No, it was fantastic to see, especially seeing, not seeing Tony Adcock for such a long time. And he was a real character, a lovely lad. Trevor Morley came in at a similar time, you know what I mean? And those players are just added to the uh, the environment. But like you say, when you when you think of the fact that it was 10-1 against Huddersfield Town back in the day. And and, it could have been 10-1 and, and, Yeah, exactly, mate. <laughs> and it, it almost felt like 10-1, didn't it? The chances that City created, it was, oh, it was great to see. Right, we're going to talk to master tactician Sean Golter soon. We'll talk about the tactics of eating his tea at the right time right after this. This is the Manchester Football Social Forever Blue with Ian Cheeseman. So the big question tonight on Forever Blue um, is not how well City are playing. It's not, although we will talk about this a little bit later on, how will they cope with the goalkeeper crisis which has come along now um, and how many will they get against Wolves? The big question of the night, really, for me and Paul Lake, who are sat here in the studios of XS Manchester on 106.1 FM, is has the goat been fed? Because last week, when we tried to get him on, he was in the middle of feeding and forgot about us. So have you been fed, Sean? Uh, well, no, I haven't been fed yet. <laughs> we'll try and feed you intellectually then. Is that all right? Oh, that's beautiful. Yes, yes. That's now, when I, when I spoke to you at the game, I, uh, uh, for, for the vlog that I do this weekend, I said to you, what is it that when you come to a game that is the most exciting thing for you? And you said to me, which I didn't come as any surprise whatsoever, it is tactics, it's watching Pep, it's analysing what he does, learning from it, and all that sort of thing. So you must be in heaven at the moment watching this uh, this documentary. I presume you're watching that and watching yes. what Pep is doing with all these different new tactics he's bringing in. Yes, and, and you know, I've had the conversation with a few, few friends and they, and they say, you know, don't think you'll be, you know, foolish to give away things. And I'm sitting there looking at this documentary and I'm thinking, I got that because I see where we play. I see him. He was going out. One, one part of the documentary was he was going out of the dressing room and he was talking about the fullback, how they push inside uh, into a midfield position and then they become a back four. And I got it straight away and I was like, well, that's because I'm studying him. I'm always watching and seeing what he does. And I'm thinking, if I'm getting this, surely all the other coaches, the managers are getting it. So I, I reckon every manager is out there on, what's it called, Prime or whatever it is, and yeah. looking and observing what Pep, what Pep is doing because he's phenomenal as a manager. He really is. We as fans, I mean, I say we because I talk to a lot of supporters and they give me the same sort of feedback. When you watch Match of the Day at night or uh, or you watch uh, another live game on TV, it's starting to get to the point where you go, you know, this isn't really that good. You know, do you, in terms of what you want to learn, do you feel now that you can't learn as much from the other coaches or the other matches or are there still things you learn from elsewhere? Because Pep seems to be the master at the moment, doesn't he? He, he is. And you know what? I'm going to be frankly honest. 
I love the game and I love watching all levels of the game, but I really have struggled in the last few years of watching other teams. That may be championship, that may be League One, because I go and I watch a game and I see 15, 20 minutes and I think this is the same stuff when I was playing in my early days. A fullback lets the ball, dribbles up five yards and, and lumps it down the corner and I think, no, team still can't be playing like this. And I think, well, okay, let's 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 give it 15, 20 minutes. And 20 minutes later, it's the same thing happening. And what I've come to realize that because I'm one of these that's really thirsty for knowledge in terms of the tactical side of the game, there are patterns that arise. And when patterns arise, you start to see them occur time and time again, which means this isn't luck why it happens. It's because they work on it. And I'll give an example. We saw Sergio Aguero score against Arsenal uh, in the Carabao Cup final with the long direct kick from goal kick. Well, we certainly do that again just the other day. Well, this is something that is worked on when teams try to press and do a certain thing, then there's perhaps option three or four with regards to City that he can go long, uh, direct into into the striker, um, and Sergio does what he does, or rather Sergio or Jesus. But this is stuff that's being worked on. And so you see patterns that arise. But when I go watch some other teams, I don't see patterns, which tells me everything is off the cuff. You know, you look and you think, apart from corners, uh, you know, the odd set piece that you may see happen two or three times and you go, all right, you, you know what he's doing because he's done it earlier and he repeats it. And you go, okay, I see the pattern in that. Likewise with corners. But in general play, you don't see patterns. And, and therefore, it tells me everything is off the cuff uh, from these teams. And that's not bad, but it also tells me then well, what is being worked on. Is an example of that. I was watching Liverpool game last night, and you just singled out that Edison long ball tactic, which has been yeah. used a couple of times with Sergio Aguero. And Liverpool yeah. tried something like that, but the ball was yeah. into an area rather than it didn't to seem as, as joined up because Aguero knew where, where to run, that Edison would put it where he wanted it. Is that what you're, you're talking about? Subtle things like that. Yeah, it's subtle things. And, and again, because it's worked on and, and, and then sometimes if he isn't that long, he may go short. And so that means there's a ball that's dinked into his chest. And when that ball is dinked into his chest, i.e. it's right on the, it's in our own half and it's right on the arc of the center circle, you'll start to see the midfielders that were deep, i.e. normally tended to be David Silva or, or De Bruyne, will come in off an angle and he'll bounce it off to them and they will one-touch the ball wide or through for another player. And, and those patterns occur. So I could see that this is stuff that's worked on. Uh, but, and, and the girl he scored the other day, again, it isn't just about him uh, or Alison knocking it long. Sergio Rowe seems to have one or two movements that he does when he's in that situation, i.e. Cookie Bobo's got so long to travel. He's not, he's not looking for it to hit him hit him directly because the defender is thinking, I know where Sergio is. And if we, if we can think back to that goal and people have the opportunity to see it again, when the ball is being delivered, Sergio actually runs across the back of him. And he's, he's and as though Addison knows, put it 15 yards across the other side. And when the defender decides to go and run towards Sergio Aguero, he realizes Sergio Aguero is going across the other side. Uh, and then Sergio does what he does. He still has to do a great bit of skill to score. But this is being worked on. These are patterns. Well, Sean, you know, um, uh, uh, 
when you're looking at those situations, obviously to, to begin with, with that with that particular goal, that you that you can't be offside from a goal kick. So straight away you feel as though centre half was a little bit unsure as whether that's the case or not. But when you talk about that link play, I mean, and it's something which is really interesting. There was one there was one part of the play where uh, Edison lifts the ball over the the initial high press into Sergio, who flicks with yeah. the outside of his foot round the corner to Gabriel Jesus, who sets yeah. the play. And what I found really fascinating about our play is, you know, because you'll hear coaches talk about setting the play, but setting the play feels like it's a ball into feet, you stop it, you go and spin. But for City, setting the play is actually using a chest, using a cushioned header, because Edison's accuracy is that good. Now, that's where it opens up a different dimension to how you set the play and where you can yeah. receive the ball to, to set the play. So so even body position, because Edison's that accurate. Now, I'm not having a go Man United here because we know that the David De Gea is an incredible goalkeeper, one of the best yeah. in the world, goes without saying. But it's also about how you, you know, um, how you, how you play in terms of uh, how you project those patterns of play. So we take a case yeah. in point, the Brighton third goal. Then the ball was played from De Gea into Fred. And because of the yeah. quality of the ball wasn't as it should have been, he was controlling it around his throat. He gives the ball yeah. and they go and score. So it shows you that that delivery of pass, you know, has got to be perfect. You know, or has got to be or as, as good as it possibly can be to enable those patterns of play to progress. So not only, you know, it's about, yes, having those patterns of play, how you work at it, but how the, how it's delivered and the confidence of the players on the, on the biggest stages to be able to do that second nature. And that's the confidence that the City players have, do you not think? It's the confidence, it's the quality. You're absolutely right. I mean, we, I've watched United a few times. I don't watch them too often because they're not, they're not as good to watch. Um, and it's mainly mainly because Mourinho plays a defensive game. I'm I'm all in thirsty for the knowledge, so I would watch United if they were doing something really good. But I watched that game, uh, and I and I thought, wow, they're trying to play out, and they normally don't play out. And I think people get a bit confused with playing out the back, meaning there were three passes at the back, and then they get knocked forward. I don't consider that playing out. <laughs> You know, for me, playing out is, yes, there may be three or four passes going on the back, but it goes into midfield, and midfield are the ones who actually pass that ball forward into front players, then it eventually goes wide and back to midfield, and, and they're in the middle to the to the final third. That's playing out the back for me. Uh, but again, like you said, that ball that was knocked from the, the gear uh, into, uh, I can't remember it was, but into was that Fred, player. Yeah. Yeah, upper on his neck. Uh, he's trying to control it. It was pinched. Two passes later, it was a goal again. And, and look and think, I can't remember United ever trying to play out like that before. Um, it typically went wide to a center back. It went back to him and then it went long. Or oh, when I say long, it went somewhere around the halfway line to a wide player. So he simplifies his way of playing out, uh, um, Mourinho. But again, not nowhere to the level of of Pep Guardiola. He seems to know what players or what oppositions will do. So therefore, he's like, give it to him because this player's not going to squeeze and pressure him here, but you leave the space there so he can run it there and it just opens up. And it's, it's really a game of chess and, you know, and how he has the team play. And it's just beautiful to watch. Yeah, absolutely, Sean. And again, you know, talking as a, as a striker that, that you were, you look at how, um, how Sergio and Gabriel Jesus play together now. Do you feel there's a lot of work going into that relationship? Yeah, well, good players want to play together and they want, they want to do well. Um, 
And so I, I, I think one of the most important things that's happened is I think Agro has won over Pep Guardiola. Because, and his girls have won him over. I think he's running had a sit down over the summer and went, this guy keeps scoring me big goals. And Jesus is, is a great player, but he's not quite at Sergio's level. And I think Sergio's had to force that. Now, Pap has seen that. And I think now he's there for as long as he wants, i.e. until age gets a, a certain level, to get to a certain level. And then the club will make, you know, he will make a decision and say, right, it's time to call it a day. But getting back to the point, great players want to play together and make it work. So those two want to play together. And we saw from early on when they were playing together, you know, Sergio scoring a ball for Jesus and, and, and vice versa. So they want to play together. But perhaps, you know, media look into things and say, well, he normally plays, it's three up top, one striker. How can this work? And, and sometimes he, when he has done it, he's forced or he's played Jesus in a wide of the three. So he's, you know, instead of playing Sane, he's played Jesus there or brought Jesus on in a wide position for, for Sane or Sterling or something like that. Oh, it's amazing, he's, all the hat-tricks he's got. How many hat-tricks did you get, Sean? Can you remember? Uh, yeah, I got nine. And, uh, and I swear, wow. Sergio's probably got about 20. <laughs> <laughs> he's, just, he's just phenomenal. The goals he scores is absolutely phenomenal. And long may continue because he, he's a joy to watch. And yeah. what I know now is when I look at him, he is so happy and settled at the club. Compared to probably when we had, there was a little bit of cloud, I thought he would. I thought he was perhaps moving on, but I think he's been one. You know, he won over a pack. Pep looking and thinking, this player keeps scoring me big major goals. Um, maybe, maybe I need to be keeping him for a few more years. And, and I think that's all totally settled now. And hopefully, Aguero just stays injury free, uh, and he gets that sort of forty goals a season that, that we know he can get. Yeah, I don't think any City fans going to argue with keeping Sergio around for a while yet. Um, one, yeah. Just one topic, uh, off topic, I suppose, from what we've just been talking about. What a, a City fan contacted me uh, this week saying uh, that he has a bit of an issue with the club being described. I know this is completely away from the football, has been described mm-hmm. as Man City, and he feels it should always be Manchester City or City. Do you two, you know, I mean, obviously, Lakey, you grew up a City fan. I know, Sean, you didn't grow up a City yeah. fan, but you now you are, effectively. Yes. So where do you two stand on Man City? Does that bother you at all, or should it always be Manchester City? Well, for me well, personally, Sean, I, I should jump in. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I've always been, uh, it's always been Man City, Man United, you know, for me as a kid. So it never really makes a difference. It's more the blue and the red. And that's it, you know. And 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 your, your allegiance is there, nice and early. Either you're United fan or you're a City fan, and and that's it. And that's how you get brought. That's how your family gets brought up. So whether it's Manchester or City or whatever, you know, it is by the by. But for me personally, we've always spoken of it being Man City. So I've got no beef with that, really. Right, you sure? Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit the same. I mean, you know, you, you always sort of, when you talk about it, discuss it, or you abbreviate it, whether you're, you know, on social media, you say Man City, you know, you know and I, it, I don't know, I may be wrong, but the, the individual may be of an older, uh, older gentleman, but obviously his roots is Manchester, wanted to be known that it's Manchester perhaps, but I'm with Lakey, uh, you know, Man City, Manchester City, it, it doesn't really make too much of a difference. We all know who we're talking about. Um, we're talking about the club. So for me, uh, I, I, most times I'm probably saying Man City. Um, but I'm doing little bits and pieces. So, uh, so for the gentleman, Manchester City. Absolutely. I mean, I, 
I'm not going to do this story now, but what, uh, whenever I'm asked to talk anywhere, whether it be at some sportsman's function or whatever, I do a little story about when I was the stadium announcer at City, um, which all relates to exactly what we're talking about at the at the mm. moment. Well, what I would say is, as a Mancunian, I love to hear the full Manchester mm. being said for City, but, but I get why it is shortened. At least it hasn't gone down to Man C which is what they do with United, isn't it? And call them Man U. I'm not sure I'd, I'd be a big fan of no, Man C. We're not, we're not having that. No. Well, we're the leaders now. We're leaders. We're not followers. <laughs> Sean, I'm going, to let you, I'm going to let you feed yourself now. You can feed yourself. Go off, have your tea. And thanks very much for joining us tonight. Pleasure, lad. Cheers. Cheers, Sean. Sean Golter. There we go. I think we fed him intellectually there, didn't we, Lakey? <laughs> More so. Yeah, I think you had about five courses there, didn't you? <laughs> Right, we've got uh, Nicky Weaver on the way next. The Manchester Football Social, Forever Blue, with Ian Cheeseman. This is Forever Blue, I'm Ian Cheeseman, with me is the legend that is Paul Lake. We've been uh, dissecting uh, the, the genius, really, that it is Pep Guardiola. There's another way to describe mm. it, really, is that um, City obviously going great guns at the moment, everything going well, so what's the knock? Um, anyway, um, there has been one blow that has come along City's way today, and that is Claudio Bravo, who you would regard as the number two goalkeeper in the pecking order of Edison, uh, Bravo, and then Daniel Grimshaw, um, has suffered an injury to his Achilles. It's a serious injury. I know he's off to see the specialist in Barcelona. He could be out, uh, people are speculating, even for the season. Uh, and although Daniel Grimshaw is number three, and I've seen Daniel play, and he went on pre-season with City, and he's a, he's a good lad, and he looks a, a very good goalkeeper, suddenly he becomes a senior number two almost for the season, uh, and I don't know how much uh, pressure that's going to put on the Blues. Um, now, Nicky Weaver, obviously, legendary City goalkeeper, one of our heroes, one of my heroes, is uh, the best person to speak to about this, so guess what? He joins us now. Hey, Nicky. Hi, lads, you right? Hey, Nick. Now then, I goalkeeper uh, Claudio Bravo gets an injury. I mean, you obviously know as a as a goalkeeper yourself, if you get an Achilles injury, that that's probably you're done for the season, isn't it? A serious one of them? Yeah, if it's a serious one, which, it, which you know, by all accounts it looks like it is, it's not obviously um, a great one to get. It looks like he'll be out for, if not all the season, the vast majority of it. So I thought, to be honest, in the last couple of years they've been... Um, once Caballero left, they've been a little bit bare, sort of in the goalkeeping department, and everything's sort of fine until you get an injury. Now they've got an injury, and it's a little bit sort of panic stations. At a club like City, um, obviously the, the worry now is ever Edison gets injured, suddenly you've got Daniel Grimshaw, who's very inexperienced, however good his quality might be. He could be playing in Champions League, he could be playing at Anfield in October. Who knows what could happen? Would that be as a concern to you as a goalkeeping coach to? only have a young lad like that as your third choice now, or second choice, really. Yeah, I think so, because like I said, if anything happens to Edison, he might have to play in you know, Manchester Derby, City against Liverpool, Champions League, some of the, some of the biggest games in football. Um, and it's a big ask for such a young player. Actually, I know Daniel, because he, uh, he came on loan to Sheffield Wednesday to our youth team a, a few years ago when we had an injury problem. Um, so, it, you know, he's a very good goalkeeper, but to sort of be thrust in, sort of, you know, in the best league in the world and possibly Champions League, it is a big ask for him. But he's, he is a young goalkeeper with a bright future, but you would like someone there with a little bit more experience. What's your assessment then, temperament-wise? Is he is he mature enough? Do you think he can cope with it? 
Well, only you never really know if any player can cope with it until they're actually put in that situation. Um, it's not like other talented young players they've got, you know, your Foden's and Diaz and that, where they can introduce them gradually and get a few minutes under your belt. If, if you're a goalkeeper um, and you have to make your debut, you're going to be sort of thrown in at the deep end and it might be, you know, difficult circumstances. And, and you never really know um, until, the, until the, the, the players are thrown into that situation. But like I said, it, you would prefer somebody there um, with a little bit more experience. You know, this is a, a almost a cheeky and disrespectful question because you were a goalkeeper, but in the current City team, the way that they play and dominate possession, and Lakey and I have been highlighting the, the footballing qualities of Edison, you wonder if you could actually put an outfield player in goal. Would <laughs> yeah. it make that much difference to City? I know, I know what you're saying because at times, you know, they make it look ridiculously easy. But uh, no, I think they need, you know... Obviously, we've got Edison there. If nothing happens to Edison, then everything's fine. But I think they just need a little bit of cover there. There will be a, f- a few free agents knocking about. Uh, there'll be a few agents ringing up, you know, in the next couple of days, I would imagine, uh, touting their goalkeepers around. But I'm sure they'll do something. Um, and I'm, I think they might even be able to go into the emergency loan window. Um, into, into the emergency loan market. I'm not sure exactly on the rules, but if you've not got so many keepers with a certain amount of experience, you can actually go on loan someone. I think they got um, someone a few years ago, didn't they, when Shea Gibbon got injured? Was it Martin Fulop? Yeah, yeah. So, so there, there may be an opportunity down that route. I don't know, but I'm sure they'll be they'll be looking down all all different avenues, and I'm sure if they can bring somebody in with a bit of experience, they will do. I wonder what Angus Gunn's thinking at the moment. You know, having gone in the summer, you know, play people like him. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it would have been an opportunity for someone like Angus, but, you know, you've got to do what's right at the time. Um, City got a lot of money for someone who had never played for their first team, so I think it was a good deal a good deal all round. Um, and, you know, two goalkeepers is enough until one gets injured, and then it's obviously not enough, and it's a little bit, you leave yourself a little bit there. Do you think, Nick, that in, in terms of how Manchester City play and, and, and Pep's teams, how he sets up, and the fact that the, the goalkeeper is such an integral part of the uh, the uh, the attacking philosophy, if you will, the fact that Danny Grimshaw is, is very competent with his feet, you know, left down, right footed, you know, he, he's very good. You think that actually, because of how City play, he would be a better option than a more experienced shot stopper who really hasn't got the same feet as the goalkeepers that we have at City? Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I mean, what we're saying about Grimshaw is an experience, but what he is, he's very good with his feet. Um, he's been on tour with them over to the States in the summer. Um, I think he's been training with the first team for quite a while now, so they obviously like him. Um, and like we say, he's very good with his feet, so that is obviously the mould of goalkeeper that you want. If, you, if you're going into the sort of free agent market, then you might not get someone who's particularly good at, at playing out from the back. So it's a, only the manager knows what he wants, and we'll sort of see how much faith he's got in Daniel Grimshaw by what he does in the transfer market. If he does nothing, then you know he's obviously got a lot of faith in him. And then if he signs somebody, then obviously he wants someone there, you know, with just a little bit, a uh, little bit more experience. It's funny how football just can change in a, in a blink of an eye, isn't it? I was I went into the press conference at City last week and I saw Daniel Grimshaw actually driving out. And because it's half, it's the end of the summer. You know, it's the kids are there at the moment. There are a few kids knocking about, sort of asking for autographs and whatnot. And it happened to be Daniel Grimshaw that drove out and he wound the window down and he was given a few autographs. And it ran through my mind. And I didn't mean this disrespectfully because I saw Daniel out in the states and he was signing autographs and he's. He seems like a really lovely lad, but I actually did run through.
blew my mind. I wonder if these kids who are asking for autograph actually know who he is. And but but now suddenly he's going to get a lot more profile, isn't he? And unless they bring somebody in and he never gets the chance, but suddenly he's going to get the profile. And that's some sometimes it's that catapulting you into that situation that makes or breaks your career, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, you know, he, could, he could play in season game this weekend. You, you just never know sort of how quickly things can happen. Um, if we're talking about him now. If I'd have been on the show last week, we wouldn't have been talking about him. So, you know, we will get mentioned now. People will be, I'm sure people will be, on, he'll be high up on the search engines at the minute and it'll be trending, I think they call it or whatever it is. And uh, yeah, people will take an interest in him now and it'll, um, it'll sort of thrust him into the limelight. And again, that's a situation and a little bit of pressure that, that he's got to handle. But I'm sure you know, he's more than capable of that. He's been in and around, you know, the first team squad working with the you know, the top quality goalkeepers they've had over the last few years. So um it'll just be a little bit of outer pressure that comes. Nothing will really change inside room. He's been training with the first team sort of for quite a while anyway. So nothing sort of in training will change. It'll just be, you know, on match days if he's on the bench and then obviously you know, if he's called upon it'll be a huge test for him. Would you have liked to have uh, been managed by Pep Guardiola, Nick? I think everybody would. Um, he's turned into sort of the, you know, in my opinion, the number one manager in the world. The way he plays, his sort of his passion, his enthusiasm, he sort of ticks sort of every box going. Um, and he's the way his team plays is just something that we've not really seen before in the Premier League. And you know, it's exciting times to, to be a City fan to, to be watching. City at this particular time and you know I, I just fear for the other teams over the next few years that you know it's I mean a few years ago they said it was an aging team it's not an aging team anymore and it's a team that for the next two three four five years could really dominate like Liverpool did in the 80s and, and United did in the 90s I mean at the minute it's really early on but there's only a Liverpool you really see putting a challenge up but I think the sort of depth that City have got in the squad um is, is second to none and I think they're only going to go from strength to strength Yeah, I absolutely couldn't agree with you more Nicky, thanks very much for joining us tonight really appreciate it, always Thank, thank you, no problem Cheers Nick The one and only Good. Nicky Weaver which uh, just leaves us a couple of minutes to look ahead to uh, the next weekend. Obviously City play Wolves um, I remember going down to Wolves a few years ago when City hadn't quite got to where they are now and it was a crucial day that day. City played uh, Wolves, obviously, and United were playing Everton and I think it was 4-2 to the Reds at one point and then Everton came famously back and got it back to 4-4 and it felt like that was a sort of tide-turning moment mm. um, and that will be going through my mind as I go to Wolves at the weekend, Paul. I don't know about you. Well, in, interestingly, uh, I, I remember the, 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 the quality ball that Gail Cleese put in for Sergio. It was a beautiful pass, you know, but but looking at Wolves now, they're obviously, uh, they're, they are going to be a, a threat to teams that do play a certain way because I'd like to think that they're going to make their, their home ground, uh, you know, among your a fortress. It's that they do play a high-tempo game. You know, they're exciting to watch. They've got a manager with new ideas. And again, a different challenge that the City probably haven't come up against. Something different again to try and manage at the same time as playing your own game. So, be different challenges. You know, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a really intense 
game, I like to think. A, a great one, a great spectacle to watch. You know, seeing the best players from the Championship come up and obviously he's added to that squad. And again, seeing players like, you know, Benjamin Mendy, you know, uh, and and and, uh, and the likes going to, you know, a, a club like, like, like Wolves, playing against them and trying to, to manage the expectations that City are going to have. You know, I mean, ironically, we talk about Mendy and about those assists that David Silva has as being the highest assist in the Premier League, you know, and the fact that he's been such a good player. You feel as though Benjamin Mendy, you know, that he has got so much in his locker that he could be, have assist after assist because of his pace, his power and the quality that, you know, that he provides. So again, it's great to see how he, you know, uh, is going to maintain the standards and the level of play week in, week out, both home and away. Well, fingers crossed it happens this weekend. Uh, Paul and I will be back same time next week. Uh, so don't forget, Excess Manchester 106.1 FM, Forever Blue, each and every Tuesday. And also download as a podcast very, very soon. See you tomorrow. OK, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.